Also take this time to say to those of you maybe here for the first time that we're pretty informal and if, if you have the need that you want to get up and grab a cup of coffee, donut holes, I think there's even some special Easter treats in the back. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. So if, if you wanted to uh, grab something, we are not offended in any way. Dan said it earlier, and we believe it here. We believe that God is still speaking. We believe he's still moving in our lives. And sometimes the distractions keep us from hearing that. So whatever you need to do today to get comfortable, that's what we encourage you to do. Um, and uh, we pray that by God's grace that will happen for you today, that you'll actually uh, hear from God himself. So. Uh, speaking of kind of a, a little casual, you know, I, I, this morning it's Easter, right? Praise God, it's Easter. And uh, it's been a great morning of worship. I'm not sure if those, some of you I know made it out for the morning services today at Highland Hope, and uh, that was an awesome way to start the day. You know what I didn't realize is it's called a sunrise service because they do it at sunrise. You would think I would know that being involved with the team that planned that service, but I was surprised when I got up and it was still dark. And uh, actually, I looked at Chris this morning, did I not? And I said, um, I said, and it was early the next morning, it was still dark, when Mary Magdalene ran to the tomb. So that was kind of a cool, cool experience. But, you know, this morning while I was getting ready, you know, I got ready for that service this morning, and, and uh, I got a little bit of grief um, for my attire. Now, I'm not sure if you know who would give me grief about what I wear to church, but her name starts with K, sounds like... I don't know, Chris. Um, all right, so, so she said, you know, you could, you know, you could dress up. And, and I said, well, hon, I mean, what do you wear when you go to see your, your, your best friend? I mean, what do you wear whenever you go to hang out with somebody that, that loves you so much and that you love? And I can tell you that when I got ready and I picked out my clothes today, I was looking thinking, man, if, if I'm going to meet Jesus, I want to go like ready to meet my friend, you know? And, but I felt a little bad, and so I thought, well, you know, I could, I could probably go ahead and do this, you know, to be formal about it. I mean, we're going to talk today about what it means, you know, uh, Easter clothes, right? How does this thing work? <laughs> you guys make fun of me. You know, some of you knew I was wearing a tie yesterday, and my wife doesn't tie my ties for me. Unlike some of you guys, I'm just saying. And, and, and you know, so we were, were looking, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, this is what we think of, you know. I'd get dressed up for Easter and put on our Sunday best. We'll kind of, huh? You know what this reminds me of, guys? <laughs> yeah, look at you. <laughs> you all have seen me. You know what, though? I tell you what. This thing reminds me of a noose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, th this, is a, this is a risk. This is a, you could maybe wear one of those clip-on deals. That's a safety release, at least. You know, this thing's dangerous. But I do, I, you know, it doesn't really matter because today we come not as those who came to the, to the cross at Golgotha where Jesus was bleeding out, but we come today as those who know the risen Lord. And he says, come just like you are today and I'll meet you right where you are. I think Easter is such an exciting, exciting time uh, that we get to remember every year what Jesus did and who he was in our life. And, and so today we're going to be talking about Jesus raised, right? This idea that that something miraculous happened beyond proportions. I mean, everything we talk about in Jesus' life is amazing. But Easter is crazy on a whole nother level. I mean, Easter is a whole different kind of a deal. And if you've been around church a while, you might kind of get inoculated against the craziness of Easter, that Jesus was raised from the dead. But for those of us um, who are still in awe of that, it's still an amazing thing. 
I, I want to remind all of us that last week we celebrated Jesus coming to town, right? And he was coming in and people waving the palm fronds. We did it here. We said, you know, uh, Hosanna, right? That Greek word, praise the king of David, the king of Israel, king of the Jews, because we expected a certain kind of king. And again, some of you I know went and spent some time um, at the Good Friday service on Friday. And that's such a meaningful time. And so actually this morning as I open the word together, and I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the word this morning because I really want to share what, what God has, has uh, been revealing to us through scripture. Um, but I just want to um, start there. So let's go ahead and, and, and spend a moment here going before the sovereign God of the universe. I mean, the God who made you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows your deepest, darkest secrets. There, there's no hiding from God. And we stand before him right now in his presence. So today, Lord, we confess that, that there's nothing about us that you don't know. There's no sin in our life. There's no talent and gift you've given us. There's no high or low, Lord, that you did not know about and care about and love us in spite of. And so, Lord, today, I pray that as we come into your house, come into your temple gates, we said this morning, Lord, that they be thrown open for praise and glory to your name. We know that the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's presence with us ensures our knowledge of you. And today we open our minds and our hearts, our eyes and our ears to his word to us this morning. We pray that today in every way, through every part of our being, every fiber today, God, we pray that we would know Jesus Christ, the one sacrificed and risen in your name. And we pray today and every day from now on that your praise will be on our lips. You know, this is not possible, Lord, of our own doing. And so today we give you praise and glory, credit and honor, and we seek your lordship in our life. Have your way in our lives, and especially over the next hour in Christ. Amen. So Easter is this really funny holiday because we have all these things that happen that seem to have nothing to do with Easter. One of them being peeps, you know, that was one of those things that's kind of out there. But it, it never ceases to amaze me that how when we, we, we make it about something and it's not. And, and so I want to kind of remember that triumphal entry that Jesus had last week. I mean, he's king of kings and lord of lords. It wasn't a mistake that he rode into town on a donkey with his cloaks on the ground, you know, and his, his disciples even being excited to the point of asking this, can I have your right seat? Can I have your left seat? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they were picking out the furniture in the castle, if you get my drift here. They meant it. What, where can I sit with you, Jesus, when you rule? And he rode into town, and I want to start today where many of us, because I understand that we work and stuff, couldn't make it out Friday for the services, but I want to start with the truth, the first truth that we find in Scripture about the story of Jesus, and it's that Jesus died. Right? So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn to John 19, 28 through 30. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's going to be page 753. There at the end of your seats there, you can grab one of those. And I would really encourage you to look at the Word today. Even if you think, man, I don't read, I don't get this stuff, just look at the Word today with me, and, and we'll kind of just read through it together. John 19, 28 says this. Later... Right? Knowing that all was now completed, and so the scripture will be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I want to stop for one second. 
You know, I was blown away by something. I don't have time to talk about this morning. But the last act that we have recorded here in John that Jesus does is cares for his mother and a disciple whom he loved. You remember the book of John was written by the disciple that was loved by God. And the great news about that is that's any of us too. That when Jesus, we hear these words from John, it's our story. It's a personal story. And his last act was to care for them together, to leave nothing undone. And he says then, later, knowing that all was now completed, everything that Jesus could have done, he had done, he said this, so that scripture be fulfilled, I am thirsty. Now, nearby was a jar of wine vinegar, and so they soaked a sponge in it, and they put it on a stalk of hyssop plant, and they lifted it to his lips, and Jesus drank this bitter drink. And I want you to get the picture here for a moment because we all know that crucifixion is agonizing. We all understand. We've seen it. You know, Mel Gibson did a great job of depicting that to us. And others have as well. I watched a thing last night about the Shroud of Turin on, on um, History Channel. And they really were amazed at, at the violence in crucifixion these scientists were. I mean, it's an amazingly violent thing. But at the end of all this, Jesus on the cross still fulfilling the prophet's and the prophecies about him says, I am thirsty. And they lift up this wine vinegar to his lips and he drinks it. And, and, and that is such a profound thing to me that he would experience that bitter cup. You know, where his disciples, when we gather around his table and receive the cup. And you remember Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from before me. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And so hanging on the cross, he says, give me a drink. And they do. And as soon as he receives the drink... Jesus said, it is finished. Now you see, this is the place where our text falls down because Jesus said, tetelestai. It's one word. He said, tetelestai. And in that one word, in that one utterance of Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God on the cross, there is so much deep meaning for you and I that everything that we have, everything that we are, all of our sin, all of our hurt, all of our anger, all of our hatred, all of our failures, when Jesus said, it is finished, die, in that moment, it is true. Jesus did everything he could. And in that moment, he gave up his very last. It says right there. And with that, Jesus bowed his head and gave up. Whew. Now that's a heavy place to start an Easter morning service. Because I want to tell you this morning, everything my being wants to scream out, shout out praises to God. But the truth is that until you understand the truth that Jesus died, the rest of the story doesn't make any sense to you. The rest of the story is meaningless if he didn't die on the cross. And it says here that he says it is finished and he breathes his last. The Messiah, the one who had done miracle after miracle, the one who the kings and the rulers had mocked on the cross and said, if you believe in God, have him take you down now. He stood there and he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last. And this is where we find ourselves on Good Friday. That is the time for mourning clothes. That's the time for death clothes. Something very serious, very significant happened. I want to go on to talk because this gospel of John is a gospel of witness to us even now. And if you're sitting here today and you think, man, I come to church once or twice a year, I say praise God that you're here and, and you can come once or twice a year, but you're missing it. You're missing it. 
Because the truth of the gospel is that it's everyday life for us. If there's no Christ, it's everyday for us. And I want to show you that John writes this witness to us because he wants to talk about something so important. But until you get the fact that Jesus died, the rest of the stuff, you know, it's, it's important, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. John goes on, I want you to follow on down to verse 34. You know, they, they, they wanted to take all these guys down because Sabbath was coming. There was three people on the cross. By the way, praise God for uh, Jay's wisdom today on the seating arrangement. I hope you noticed it's a little different today. You know, one of the things is there was three people being crucified. And they wanted to make sure that they were dead before sundown so they could take the bodies down. And so they broke their legs. But they didn't break Jesus' legs. And instead, because he was already dead, it says, look, in 33, but when they came to Jesus and they found him already dead, they decided not to break his legs. Because why do you do that if he's already dead? Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear and brought a sudden flow of blood and water. Now listen to what John records for us. The man who saw it gave testimony to it, and his testimony is true. He knows it, he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you might believe. So that you might believe that the truth of the matter was that on the cross at that moment in time was a corpse. He makes it a point to say that if you want to talk to this guy, he's still around, ask him about it. Jesus was dead. And you might think, yeah, I got it, I got it. You know, but here's the problem. If we don't understand that, the rest of the story, you know, just kind of goes all haywire on us. Jesus died for our sins. And you know, we can get hung up on different parts of the gospel message. You know, there's a, there's a narrative that kind of flows around the gospel of Jesus Christ. But without his sacrifice, without him being perfectly sinless and going like a lamb before the slaughterer, he, there is no retribution for our sins. That God is not pleased or satiated. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said, Tetelestai on the cross, he meant all sacrifices finished. Everything that needs to be done is finished. Which is why for so many of us who try to find our way in our faith journey, you know what we like to do? We like to crawl up on the cross. We, we like to say, Lord, I've get, I'm giving you so much. You know, We like to be motivated out of that sacrificial idea. And Jesus said, it is finished. I did it all. You receive it. And that is the place we live as Christians. We live in the place of blessing, of abundance of love, of nourishment of our soul. So I pray you know that today. And I want to I go ahead and read on here in, in the Gospel of John, because this is our text for today. It's going to be in, in uh, chapter 20. I want to show you now what we talked about earlier a little bit here. But so after Jesus was died, and he was taken down, and he was buried, right? And they kind of did a quick and hurry up, buried him in a tomb that was there. And there's a whole bunch of stuff there that we could talk about some other time, not today. But the next thing I want to talk about, the experiences uh, that the disciples had. So if you would turn, or you could probably just see it there. It's, I think it's maybe the next page for you. John 20, we're going to kind of talk through this, right? Early on the first day of the week, while it was yet dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, you remember, the one who Jesus loved? And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. 
right? So I want you to get the image here that they had gone and observed the Sabbath. They had come back to the tomb. And, and when Mary Magdalene shows up, and you know, praise God for faithful women who would, who would be there first thing in the morning. Does that not make sense to you, you know? And, and they show up. She shows up there, and, and she's horrified by what she finds. Because she finds the place that they laid Jesus to rest disturbed. You understand, this could be quite an upsetting thing if you love the one that's there. This can be something that, that, that just, just really, you know, it's beyond words how much it would upset you. And I want you to notice that she runs back to the disciples. We know this story, but she runs back to the disciples. And look at what Mary says. Do you notice Mary run back and say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. No, no. Do you know what Mary says? She comes back and she says, they have taken our Lord, and I don't know what they have done with him. You understand what I'm saying? Her first thought is, grave robbers, Jesus haters, they're trying to stop us from honoring him in the grave. Someone has stolen his body, and she goes to the disciples, and she tells the disciples a story. Someone has taken our Lord, and I don't know where they've gone, done with him, and I can guarantee you if they would only tell her, she would make it right. Her confession is more about the missing body than the resurrection. And that's nothing against Mary because there's a whole story about Mary we won't talk about today. If you want to read on through the gospel, it's amazing because she is given the treat of her faithfulness that the disciples miss. But we're going to follow the disciples today to the tomb because this is what the guys do, right, guys? Here's our response. A woman in distress comes up. Something is wrong, guys. And you hit your buddy in the arm. Let's go, right? Check it out. It says in verse 3, so Peter and the disciple, the other one, remember the one that Jesus loved, he started running for the tomb together. It says in verse 4, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. You know a guy wrote this, right? And reached the tomb first. So, uh, so here's the image. So there's two guys, and you know, Jesus is dead. They ain't even up down at the tomb yet. Mary is. But then they go, let's go do something. And they start to run for the tomb now. I've always had this kind of saintly idea of what it looked like for the disciples to run to the tomb, you know. I always kind of saw more of a monkish thing, you know, like, hurry, let's go, quickly, you know. Uh, <laughs> I want you to remember something about these disciples that followed Jesus. These were like rough and tumble guys. These were guys that three years before were in their boats fishing every day. They knew what it meant to work hard. They knew what it meant to, to play hard. They knew what it meant to live life to the fullest. And when they heard the news that their Savior's body was stolen, they ran for the tomb. And I can imagine on the way, can you imagine the conversations that we're having, having at that point? I'm sure they probably weren't very God-honoring. <laughs> Whenever I get to that tomb and I find out, I tell you what, I, I can just imagine the more I ran, the matter I would get because how dare they mess with my Jesus? How dare they move his body on me? And they ran to the tomb together. Now read with me in verse 5. So Peter and the, uh, Peter, uh, he outran Peter and got the tomb first. But listen to what it says in verse 5. He, this is the one that Jesus loved, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But he did not go in. And then Simon Peter, remember, who was behind him, arrived and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen laying there as well as the burial cloth that was around Jesus' head. Again, let's just take a moment. So here's the story. Mary comes, these two guys, they take off running. You know, the disciple who Jesus loves runs faster, right? Because we all do. Outruns, 
stops outside, and Peter, God bless him like he always does, shoom, he goes right on inside. You know, because this is Peter. First to show, you know, last to show up first in the door, you know what I mean? And, and he rolls right on in there, and he sees, he sees these signs in the tomb. It says he saw strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Now, here's my question about this text today that I want us to think about. We've been reading the, the, the letter of 1 John for a while. We've been reading the Gospel of John for these last two weeks for, to remember Holy Week. And I want to know that what was it that the disciple that was so gung-ho, so racing to the tomb, so far ahead of Peter, that whenever he got there, he just stopped and kind of looked inside. What would cause a person to do that? I mean, why not do it? Peter just race on in there. You know, I, I thought about asking the question this morning, who got there first? Right? Many of us would say, well, Peter got there first because he went all the way, didn't he? But this disciple whom Jesus loved, he just got to that empty tomb and just went, Burk! wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. We're going to go back to John 11. I'll try to pull a page number 747 if you use one of ours. I alluded to this story last week when we talked about the triumphal entry. And I just want to hear the story today together. Because you see, right before Jesus went to Jerusalem to pay the price for all the sins of all mankind, right before he came into town on the donkey and we waved the branches and said, can we settle your right hand or your left? Jesus had had an experience that was unlike anything he had before. Jesus had a great friend who had died. It actually says it's the one that Jesus loved. And Jesus shows up too late to do any healing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he'd been healing everybody. But this one friend, Lazarus, well, he gets there just a little too late, a little too little, and everybody's upset. You know, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. When he heard, Jesus wept. And yet he shows up at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And he tells him to take away the stone. I'm going to pick it up here in verse 40. Martha kind of protests it. I don't want to get into that this morning, but she protests. Don't take away the stone. It's been four days. And Jesus says this to Martha and to everyone else who's standing there. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone from the face of that tomb and Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Look at it, folks. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here with me that they might believe that you sent me. And after whispering this prayer, after saying this prayer, he then looks into this tomb of a dead man. And at word says, he cried out, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came walking. His hands and his feet draped, wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth draped around his face. 
I want you to think about this for a moment as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus today. Jews had a custom of a proper burial. And they would take a cloth, you know, you've seen this shroud of Turin, and they would wrap the deceased in there with spices and fragrances. And then they would bind their feet together and bind their hands like this. And they would be bound up. And whenever Lazarus comes out to the mouth of that tomb, when all those people who said, he is dead, he is dead, and they're mourning, Lazarus comes out of that tomb bound. You see, he's been raised, but he's still wearing his dead clothes. And Jesus looks at the disciples standing there and he says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is the command of the Lord that they followed. This is the one that did a lot of miracles, but he raised a dead man. And then he told those who were following him, unbind him. Take off the noose. I'm not picking on ties, you know? But I mean, think about that. He's saying, let it go. You're not who you were. You're raised again. Now, this Lazarus caused quite a stink caused quite a, a, a fluff up. And you'll remember people were going out to see him, not just Jesus, but Lazarus. Is he really raised? Is it really true? And here is this disciple, right, whom Jesus loved. And when he runs up to the mouth of that tomb, he just, something just hits him right here. And he looks inside and he says, wait a minute, folks. I've seen this before. You know what I'm saying? This looks awfully familiar to me. I have seen this before. This looks like a resurrection. The point of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can kind of make it theological, and it is. We can kind of make it all up here, and it is. But the truth is that whenever that disciple whom Jesus loved ran to the mouth of that tomb, he saw something there that he had never seen before. And I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but I can tell you, if you've seen a resurrection in your life, I can tell you. If you've been resurrected in your life, when you get to the mouth of that tomb of our Savior Jesus and you see the burial clothes laid inside, you go, wait a minute, something has happened here. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel because you are to believe it. It's good news for those of us who are still bound up in dead man's clothes it's good news for those who are laying dead in the tomb and people are saying, let them go. There's no hope. There's no way. They've screwed up. They're dead to us. I want to say that the work of the church of Jesus Christ is to unbound those that he resurrects. That's our work. And in this resurrection of Jesus, the disciple gets there and I want you to see that the clothes were already unbound. It says the strips of linen were lying on the floor and they had taken the time to fold up this burial cloth and set it aside. You see, because Jesus meant what he said when he said, Tadalistai, it's finished. And my prayer for you today is that you know this resurrected Jesus, that you know him like the disciple who ran to the tomb, that you know him So I wonder today, wherever you are in your life, are you there yet? Are you there? 
I want to read the last verse here. Verse 8, chapter 20, right where we were. If you don't believe what I'm saying about the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who had witnessed resurrection after resurrection, I don't know if he had had one himself yet or not, but I'm saying that whenever he saw this, look at what it says. Finally, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, you know, the one that Jesus loved, he also went inside, and when he saw, he believed. The resurrection is there for us to believe in it. The resurrection is there for us to get hope from it. The resurrection is there to testify that God is not finished. That when the world says it's over, call it. The fat lady is warming up in the side. God says we are not done yet because this is my kingdom and my people and my son Jesus Christ. And he will not stay down. If you are there today, I pray by the grace of God that you will know that the resurrection is for you. I pray that you will see that. I want to share one last verse with you this morning. And it's in the book of Romans. Paul writes in Romans, he says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess his lordship and are saved. This is what we believe at Family Bible Church. We believe that if you know him in your heart, and if you believe he's been resurrected, you will be saved, and we take that as the promise from the King Jesus who raised from the tomb. I want to say to you today, outside of dead men's tombs, that Jesus still stands. You know, someone said to me, where, where is he? I think he's standing outside, everyone. And he's saying to us, come out, come out, you know? He's calling us by name. He says, Lazarus, come out. He says, come out. He says, Billy, come out. He says, Chris, come out. He wants us to be unbound and live in him. And I pray that today you know that word. And if you don't, this is your time. And I'm going to invite you right now. All you do is respond to him calling to you. If you are sensing that, this isn't a show. And we're going to actually invite the team to come up and they're going to sing a, a, a reflective song for us. But I want to lead you in prayer as they come up. And I don't know where you are, what you've been through, but God does. And I know that the resurrected Christ calls us still to come out of our dead man's tombs. So join me in prayer if you would this morning. Father God, I am so in awe of your presence and your spirit with us today. I'm so amazed at how you can work in our innermost being where we say, Lord, just leave that place alone. We, we don't want you working there, Father. I praise you that you are making all things new for the good of your glory. I pray, Lord, that today by your power and for your purposes, you would resurrect dead people here. I pray that today, Lord, we might respond to the call first to come out when Jesus calls us. And then secondly, to allow those around us to unbind us from our dead, old, worn out, ragged, disgusting, rotted clothes that we could be new in you. You are so good. The work on the cross is such a miracle, Jesus. And today, Lord, I pray you would give us the power to respond. Give us the ability in our soul to respond to the truth of the gospel that you've presented to us. We trust it and we know it 
We believe it and we confess it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.